I have realized when it comes to this church, you can get more people fired up about church almost than you can about politics. Did you guys ever notice that? I actually got onto a blog, uh, not a blog, it was a Facebook post. And on the Facebook post, there was these uh, guys that asked a question. I can't even remember what the question was. It was something silly. It wasn't even something controversial. And in this, there, there was it where it says how many comments. It was like hundreds of comments of pastors going at it, debating these little silly little things and things like that that were just over opinions of what they thought about this. Church subjects have resulted in splits uh, I'm, uh, to the point where even last night I was up at like 12 o'clock at night and a friend of mine was doing, hey, got a friend going through a church split. Things are happening tomorrow and things. Isn't it great? God has blessed us in such a great way to have never gone through that drama and, and junk here at Fellowship Baptist Church. Never. And I started looking at why and how and things like that. And, and I, I do believe that it comes to down to the roots of, of doing things and being fundamental in what we do. And so I kind of did a, a study on that. And I started looking at where churches are at and where churches have gone and where we're at and uh, how God has blessed us and why God has blessed us and things like that. And this is really an interesting subject. It absolutely is. You want to get people fired up? Just bring it up and, and, and realize how sensitive of a subject this is. And it comes down to who is right. I've realized some of the people that have the strongest opinions about church and about these things are people that don't lead churches. It's different. I'll tell you, it is a different world to be on the outside and, and think of how it should be or whatever than, than to walk down those paths. It's like watching a movie, you know, and the, the ship's going down and they're floating in the water. And you'd say, all I would do is swim the shore. And you're thinking, they're thinking, yeah, it's, it's 12 degrees in this water. You know, it's easy to be on a distance and to decide what you would do when you're not in that situation and, and what they're. And I, I, I wanted to talk about the cultural differences. I get really uh, weirded out when I talk to millennials. Do you guys know what a millennial is? Does anybody, anybody not know what a millennial is in here? Raise your hand. You say you don't know what a millennial is. Okay, the millennials are the label that is given to this generation, okay? And here's the thing. I am not a millennial from what I understand. Is that, that's true, right? I'm not a millennial. I'm 41 years old. And all of a sudden, I'm a generation that's out of the generation that's here. I don't know. Does, what does that make me? Old, antique. Now you guys sound like my kids, okay? And so I, I'm, I'm trying to figure out. And so hiring uh, staff guys and having these guys come in, and, and Tyler and, and Michael and all these guys will like, like, where, where, where'd you do that? I'm giving ideas of what we used to do in team ministry and stuff like that. And then I stop and think, that was 17 years ago. You know, it's, all this time has gone by and things are so different and cultures are different. And the teens can tell you even the things that they do and we do on social media and Facebook. They will look at and tell me, nobody uses Facebook anymore. And yet Facebook has... So many billions of people using it. But their generation is so detached from our generation that they cannot see the differences of what's going on. It's, it's, just, it's just totally different. And trying to figure out as a pastor of where I am over here 
and reaching into that world of where my kids are and this next generation coming in, man, I, I, I've got to go back to school or something. You guys know, does anybody know what I'm talking about? Has anybody noticed these changes and things like that? It is different. But then I have this side. I don't even know what the generation is on this side. What, are, what is the generation? Baby boomers? What are, Generation X, baby boomers, all that. I don't even know where they line up. But I just know when it comes to the church, for me as pastor now being 41 years old, which is very young, by the way, tell these guys over here, that's very young. 41 years old, I, I, I kind of get to be in the middle, I guess. I, I guess if, if that is the middle. And I try to figure out millennials. And, and guys, for all our millennials that are over here, don't get mad at me. I'm just going to throw out some general facts about you guys, okay? So I'm not narrowing any of you up. What are you? What? Oh, my goodness. So I'm not even in the next generation? I'm two generations behind now? Oh, my, please don't tell my kids. 9-11 was a split. I do remember before 9-11. Now I am depressed. It's only a number. So what is the generation, the, the most recent? What's the most recent one? Generation Z? Gen Z. All right, I, I've just been schooled. All right. Generation Z, millennials, the ones. Uh, this, is, this is what I'm finding, trying to reach them. You guys help me out with this. A lot of things that they have have been passed down to them. And, and, I'm, and I don't mean that as being bad, but you think about it. They did not have to go to war for our country. And because of that, they are not as patriotic as the generations that came before. You know what I'm saying? It's, uh, I, I, it's, I don't care if I upset people with what I'm about to say. It really doesn't bother me if I upset it. If you cannot stand for the national anthem, you should not be in America. You shouldn't be. Does that make me old-fashioned? And to be at a ball game where, where people are paying your salary and the kneel on your, and your knees when people died so you could kneel freely on your knees is a mockery. And, and there's, there's a difference there of things that they, and even this is my generation, was able to step into churches. The generation before me had to build the churches to step into. It was different. Uh, Pastor Denoff is a perfect illustration that he came here with no salary. When I came here, I was offered a salary. I was spoiled. There, you don't have as much appreciation for something if you did not have to earn it. And I, I think our, our generation somehow doesn't have as much respect for the generation coming up, not as res, respect for America or church and some of those things. They struggle with the idea of tithing and giving. And that, that is a, the cultural thing. And then, but they don't struggle with the idea of having cell phones and internet. And so there's, there's, there's a difference there. They don't mind rump, uh, dropping money on eating out. But it's, it's just, they're a very busy generation. They're a very uh, different generation when it comes to commitment. And there's more div divorce. And there's less uh, time at, at home and things like that. It's just different. But then the other side... Uh, what I have heard more people call the other side would be old school. 
They, they were raised, and this is what I've learned from them, they were raised to sacrifice for all that they have. They, they know sacrifice. They, they know giving. They know what it takes to do that. They're extremely loyal. I, I look at even Ed and Juanita as the example in thinking about the service and things tomorrow. I asked Ed today, he said, I've been married 57 years. 57 years. You know what I was told was the average length of time that the, this generation right now has owned a home is seven he said they flip homes and they flip jobs and they flip cars. That's what they do. We flip phones. Uh, we, we can't, they'll, they'll camp out overnight to get a new cell phone when they have a new cell phone in their pocket. I, I don't get that part. Um, many of them experience the, the day and age of church growth, rapid church growth. Look at the dates on the buildings of this building. If you go outside and you walk around, you find that like within four or five years, they were adding on. They experienced that. They experienced filled altars. Our generation does not experience filled altars. Our generation does not experience revivals. Our generation doesn't know if, if we had revival. It's not a matter of blowing the doors out and them growing. It's a matter of having the time to get there. It's different. I remember when I was a teen going to tent revivals, and that might have been more at the end of it. Now, there, there are no such things. as there was, I know there's a few, and I know down in the Carolinas and things like that, that they've done some of those. I also know that generations also the same ones that don't like change. That's what has made them so great is keeping the same job for 30 and 40, 50 years. Lived in the same house till they paid it off. Our generation stays in debt because they flip houses so fast that they can't ever get above just paying interest in the house. So today, I have a desire. I want to reach them. I, I want to reach both. Do you guys agree with that? I, I want to reach both. But I'll tell you, as a pastor, it is hard. And, uh, these boards are for other reasons. Um, but you can imagine if I was the right out, and I'm not going to do that, the things that the generation that was behind me and the generation that was before me. If I was to take that list... And all of a sudden, today, our culture would say that those two lists cannot mix. They cannot mix. That, that you take that, a church that gets up and starts talking about giving, and we'd say, pull out your cell phone so you can give. And then the other generation's like, you know, I, either they have a flip phone or no phone when it comes to cell phones. And, and all of a sudden, you've got a, a, a completely different culture. But I, I, I do know that the generation coming behind us is they are our future, they are more than our future, just being personal. They're my kids. They are my kids. They are the church of tomorrow, whether we like it or not. And, I, and on the other side, I, I love this group because they gave us what we have, and they love God, and they love wisdom. And, and, and what I find a lot of times dealing with it is the two cultures get frustrated with each other. They, they do. They, they look, the, the younger or, or older generation looks at this younger that they don't take things serious and they can't be committed and they can't give and they don't know sacrifice. And this generation, they're sacrifice giving because most of them are working their way through college. And, and they're, they're trying to live in a society where it costs two twenty six to get a, a gallon of gas. And, you know, insurance is skyrocketed. You know what I'm saying? So, and, but that generation is looking back when gas was... 18 cents a gallon. You know what I'm saying? It's just so different. So different. So how do you, how do you keep unity? You know, and God has blessed us so far. God has blessed our church in a unique way. 
Guys, I'm not saying this so that every one of us can walk out of here and pat ourselves on the back, but I do a lot of reading, and I, I came across a book that was describing some of this. And they said if your church runs over 600 people, that church is in the top 3% of churches in the nation. That only 3% of churches in America are running and averaging what we're averaging right now. And that's including all the mega churches and stuff that you see on TV. And God has blessed us to grow. And God has blessed us to maintain a lot of our, our members and gained a lot of the new generation and people that actually of all generations. And my, my, here's my heart and pas- passion. People have said um, that they don't know what I'm thinking. And tonight you guys get a snapshot of my brain. I don't know if that's a good thing or bad thing, okay? But tonight you get a snapshot of my brain. And I also want you guys to interact with me as I do this. And our heritage as an independent fundamental Baptist church goes back to church uh, when they started pulling out of the Southern Baptist Convention. I just out of curiosity, how many of you guys knew that that's how it was? So that's where, okay, not, not very many. So it was a matter of them becoming independent and doctrines was changing. They were bothered by the fact that doctrines were changing so much. So they begin to label themselves, and they took on the label. One of the labels was the independence. Being independent was mean that we separated ourselves. We're autonomous. We get to do what we want, when we want. We get to take on missionaries, vote down missionaries, send out missionaries, start other churches or whatever, not have to go through anything. And the second part of it is, is we call ourselves fundamental. They took on that label, even though the others would have called themselves fundamental. But we've got that label that we kind of put on everything. We started saying independent, fundamental Baptist church. Fundamental meanings that we stick to the fundamentals of the faith. We're proud of that. Man, I mean, when it comes to the fundamentals, we, had, we adopted that list and it became even part in the uh, uh, yellow pages. Not that most people use that today, but you could look it up and look for fundamental churches and you find that. Fundamental means that we adhere to the fundamentals of the faith. So I asked you guys, what are... The fundamentals of the faith. Virgin birth is a great one. I'm, I'm not a very good speller, so I am terrified to do this. Virgin birth. You guys give me more. Come on. What's another one? Salvation by grace. Is that important? Are these negotiable? I'll tell you what. If we start messing with these things right here, we don't have salvation. You realize you can't earn it, and, and, and Jesus Christ came into the world as sinless. And, and, and a lot of doctrines kind of change that and, 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 and mess with that. They can't be messed with. Those are fundamentals, literally meaning those are the foundations. They're the basics of what we do. Guys, there's way more. Come on, come on, give me, give me some. Eternal security. That is debated. Can you lose it? No, he died for it. It's his. We are born into the family of God. You, you can't lose it. What, what's another one? The deity of Christ. Man, we could go on. And I'll, I'll just, uh, we believe um, in the word of God being inspired, preserved, infallible. You guys are going to say that. Um, we believe, just rattle off some more of them. The resurrection of Jesus Christ. We don't believe that he was just a good prophet that died, and some do believe that. What, what's another one? You guys, baptism, doesn't save you. baptism doesn't save you. But baptism is, 
a commandment of God. What's another one? Creation. Jesus created, uh, God created in the world in six days and then the seventh day he rested. We, we believe in uh, literal days of creation, 24 hours, and we could get into that debate another time. All right, give me one more, one more, come on. The Trinity, we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Next Sunday morning, I'm going to preach the whole morning on the Spirit of God. And how was the power? I just told you, I just filled in the blank. It was the Spirit of God that allowed them to do everything that we talked about through, through the book of Acts. We believe in all these things. But let me tell you guys, and I, I don't have time to write all these things down, and it would be a great thing to do sometime. But if we went on and on and on, let me just say, these are non-negotiables. I'm sorry, I, was, I thought I was talking to Christians. Excuse me. These are non-negotiables. That's right, they're non-negotiables. And you guys need to know that because it does not matter if you're a generation, generation Z, if you're a millennial, if you're a baby boomer, if you're whatever, Generation X and all the other ones. It does not matter. These things have got to passionately be taught to every single generation. And I'll tell you why so many of the younger generations have pulled away from anything being labeled as fundamental. I, I mean, saying to the point where there's terms, how many of you guys have ever heard, I'm going to introduce a term to you guys, how many of you have ever heard the term fundy? Okay, raise your hand. You say, fundy, okay, all right. If you're any kind of smart... Fundy is where people have taken the fundamentals of the faith and added to them. Meaning that they're not in scripture. And, and that's where I have learned as a pastor doing lots and lots of counseling. And meeting with lots and lots of people. There are a lot of very bitter Christians that want nothing to do with church or Baptist church, or whatever. And I'll tell you, even talking to a lot of the contemporary churches right now, they've come out and said, we don't want anything dealing with the word Baptist or fundamental. I say, why? They said, of all the things that go around, along with it. I say, like what? Let me tell you, none of the things that they talk about are on this list. None of them, and I could keep on going. None of them said, do you believe, do you believe, do you believe? And, I, and there's some of them that get a little off and, and things like, but, but from, and I'm not saying everyone, but for the, for the most part, that, that is very true. I, I've heard people say, and make comments about getting back to the old past. Can I ask you guys right now, have, how many, I'm just out of curiosity, how many of you have ever heard that term saying getting back to the old past? Raise your hand, okay. What are the old paths? Bell bottoms. <laughs> Afros and bell bottoms. <laughs> Getting back to the old paths. Getting back when they wore uh, the leisure suits and all that other stuff. What were, what were the old paths? The fundamentals of the faith. Because I'll tell you, everything when people start getting on the terms old pass, they start referencing past generations of methods or past generations of styles. Let me tell you, the Bible that was written about getting back to the old past was written before any of those styles or, or, or traditions ever were even existed. 
And that's why I was like, hey man, hashtag gold pass buddy and all this other stuff. I'm thinking those things didn't even exist back when the Bible was thing, written or, or, or there. So here's the hope for future generation. Here's, here's my heart. And this is why I'm, I, I, I don't want to be the one. Okay, uh, we'll get in. Number one, future, hope for the future of, of church is the fundamentals can't change. And obviously I just said that. Psalms 100 verse 5, For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth through all generations. The truth that we're talking about, that He said His mercy is everlasting and His truth is enduring to all generations, is talking about the truth that, that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, His salvation is by grace, and there's eternal security in the deity of Christ and the Trinity and baptism and the Holy Spirit and all those other things that we talked about. He is promised Every generation. So however you want to word that word generation of being X or Z or whatever, God has promised that that generation would never have to lose those things. So God's word was effective in the Bible days and pilgrim days and civil war days and world war days and early American farm days, industrial days, and now during our electronic age, the word of God is still effective. Knowledge An absolute knowledge of the truth is imperative. We've got to preach these truths. And and it's got to be. And and I I say this all the time, and I tell you guys this all the time. Methods are going to change. And if we were going to do this, and I thought about doing this, and and going through what we look at in our minds of what church is, and and looking at what what it looks like. Richard, did you ever get a chance to get that picture? I'm just curious. When we say church... I've got the picture for you. This is what we think of. How many would agree with that, okay? You know, I, I do a, a slogan or whatever, uh, or uh, slides and stuff like that, and I, I'm going to teach on something. I want to teach on the local church. You know, the first thing that I pull up, if you, if you Google the words, uh, you know, church, guess what comes up? You're looking at it. <laughs> That's it. That is what comes up. What are, what are the signs of whatever that's there? You, you've got a steeple and a cross on it. You've got a sanctuary. You've got stained glass windows. What would you find inside that church? Pews. What else would you find in there? Organ, pulpit, uh, uh, altar. You'd find altar. You'd, you'd find a communion table. You'd find all those things. All of those things I could write on this side of the board. Every one of them. Guess what none of those things are? Fundamentals of the faith. None of them. Not, not, not the, the altar. Is the Bible mentioned an altar in the Bible? doesn't mention an altar. But it's not a place that we talk about that where you have to be saved. Does, does the Bible mention preaching? But it doesn't mention that it has to be at a pulpit. A wide pulpit, skinny pulpit, glass pulpit. It doesn't mention those things. But I could show you over and over and over again what is mentioned in the Bible is through the New Testament from Acts all the way through Revelation, we find the church preaching the word of God and what they preach was the fundamentals of the faith. It cannot change. But I can tell you everything about what you see in that picture was created by a man and passed down to another generation. Are any of those things wrong? No, not at all, not at all. But I tell you, what we do get wrong, and when I was getting with you guys before about the, the, the fundamental changes of people getting upset 
is when anything dealing with whether you have a pew versus a chair, when you have a pulpit versus a table, if you have an organ versus a keyboard, if you have a screen versus a songbook, if you have a, you get, do you guys get the picture yet? I could go on and on and on and on and on. If you have a flat roof instead of a steeple roof, if you have a steeple made out of iron versus old wood or whatever, all of those things, every single one of them was created by a man. And I've had people say things like, you guys are no longer a fundamental Baptist. Is it because we have chairs instead of pews? And I'm thinking, why? What has man come in? And then, then this generation coming behind us saying, I believe that, but I don't want you calling me a liberal or a hypocrite or a heathen because I changed some of that. Does that make sense to anybody? I hope so. Hey, there's, methods will always change. You know, uh, I, I've, but I, I've learned that there, there must be absolute truth. The other thing is giving them absolute truth. I, I can't tell you how hungry this generation is right now. Now, I know a lot of people are like, they just don't care anymore. That is wrong. I have had more messages pop up on my phone from all different generations, especially young people, wanting to meet with me. And I meet with them, and I am not kidding when I say this one bit. I have sat down, go to Starbucks, sit in my office or whatever, and they pull out this piece of paper, and they say, do you mind if I ask you questions? I'm not kidding. And all of a sudden, they begin to say and ask and go through question after question after question. And they are starving for truth. Starving for truth. Starving to ask questions about faith and life and marriage. And you realize how radical it is when all of a sudden I tell this generation, it is wrong for you to cohabitate with the opposite sex. What? What is wrong with that? I'm not kidding. I am not kidding. I, I, a lot of the marriage counseling that we do, the first thing that I have to address is going into talking about how that's wrong. You say, what, what happened? It's just because this generation does not know that. They are starving for discipleship. They're starving for truth. They want answers. I, I believe, and I give this to you guys all the time. I'm going to ask Richard to pull it back up. Hebrews 10, 25. When it says in that verse about not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching, I believe that the exhorting one another has to be so much the more as you see the day approaching. And if I was never even to know that was in the Scripture and I was to come to you guys, I would say, hey, listen, the closer we get to the end, the more it is imperative that we as Christians pull people together to teach them the word of God. Because the verse before that, Richard, if you can pull up verse 24, says, and let us consider one another to provoke unto love and good works. And I know I, I have probably preached that in our church a hundred times since I have become pastor. But I'm telling you, the church will suffer and die without Christians taking notice one another, provoking one another to do love and to good works, literally to sit down with other Christians saying right now, you have to understand that it is wrong to do this and it's right to do this. And the light goes off and all of a sudden the fundamentals begin to hit their heart and they want to do what's right. If, if we don't have a method for that, 
And I, and, I, and I believe it, and you guys probably think I am, some of you think I'm crazy because of the fact that I push and push and push for people to be in these life groups. If I could relabel life groups to disciple groups, they have to be there. Have to be there where Christians are edifying, pushing, provoking, and sharpening other Christians. There was, uh, can, I, can I just be really transparent? Has anybody else noticed that church across America, not just Fellowship Baptist Church, but church across America, Sunday nights have become a struggle for most churches. A struggle. It is due to culture. It's due to, I've heard, because pastors don't push it. It's due to it's due, uh, whatever. It's just, it's not just me. I'm on the board of uh, directors for BEMA. I sat with them, all fundamental, independent, King James, Bible-believing, Baptist, preaching churches. And, and hearing their stories across the board, we're one of the only ones that's still even running what we do and having still church on Sunday night. I'm not saying that to pat ourselves on the back, but it's not a matter of us looking around going, what are we doing wrong? Tonight, right now, teaching, generation, whatever you want to call it, we have in one life group signed up 36 people that normally would not be coming to Sunday night, coming to one group. You say, what, what, is that good or bad? It's wonderful. Because all of a sudden they're learning and growing and asking questions and they're provoking one another to love and to do good works. They're exhorting one another and they're doing it so much the more as we see today approaching. Do you know what that is? That's a fundamental of the faith. Absolutely. On Sunday nights, my question would be, does the Bible say to come together and worship on Sunday nights? It doesn't say not to. I think a lot of things are important, but I think the only thing that matters is what God says. And so that's where we get off. I have, I, okay, for an example, one week ago, I had somebody say this. We did not have church on Sunday night for Father's Day. And somebody else outside of our church told that church member, what your church did was an abomination against God. They met with me in my office and said, did you actually lead us to do an abomination against God? I am not making this up. This happened. I could tell you when, where, and who. Guys, that pushes people out because we have no foundation whatsoever for the things that we tell them. I stand alone on the word of God. The B-I-B-L-E, they learn at five years old. And then when we teach things along the way of saying they're doing wrong for not going to a worship service on Sunday night, and you say, where is the Bible to back that up? And we do this. But that isn't happening. I mean, I, you, you, what, ha what happened? I don't know. I can't, one thing that I cannot do is throw in scenarios of the what ifs. You know what I'm saying? I know what we need to do, but I mean, what if they came at four o'clock on Sunday and, and the doors were closed? You would just say you have to come when the doors are open. You know what I'm saying? And I also know that the spirit of God is much bigger than that. God, God's not gonna do that. And, and I know, and those are the things. Guys, these, these are true deep questions that we're having. Michael?
Right. Absolutely. Each one of... Mm. Other generations. That is. Yeah. I grew up knowing. You don't go messing around with Very. Yeah. Conversation with them. Mm. That's not what you're supposed to do. Right. That's good. Yeah, that's right. And if it's not lived and it's not practiced and it's not seen and it's not caught. If any time in the scripture you find the word be a witness, a witness, go into all the world and be a witness, that, that is literally live out the, the fundamentals of the faith. Live it out. And, you know, I mean, and, and uh, Joanne, if we're going to go back to like what we're talking about. Even our goal is like on Sunday morning, and I've mentioned this many times, to go to two services on Sunday morning and have two opportunities to be, you know, I understand. I'll never be the type that say I want the doors to shut to where people can't get saved. But I also know this, that if we have that mindset, we'd have to keep the church open 24-7 or we'd say that people are going to die and go to hell. And where do you draw the line of that? You know what I'm saying? I just know that the Bible says emphatically, come together, worship together, preach the word of God, stick to the fundamentals. If I was to write out the list, I would say, what does the Bible say? And I, there is a lot of, there is a lot of churches that are doing that. There are five to 6,000 churches a year closing their doors. And that's why, and we'd have to stop and ask why. I think it goes two ways. I think part of it is simply the fact that a lot of people have gotten away from the fundamentals. Guys, without the spirit of God and the preaching of the truth of the word of God, every church is going to fail. I I don't care who they are, and and I know that there will be false teachers that draw a crowd just because they get people that they're going to make them feel good on Sunday morning. And I understand that. But then you also have the other side that they will preach pews and pulpits and, you know, and, and a lot of the other stuff is this is the only way. And you think I'm joking about that? You'd be shocked to know at how big of a deal with some of the people is. Even some people even thinking changing a padded pew or a padded chair out, out for wood was, was compromising. Compromising against what? It's not this. And, and, and these are some of the things of, of, that God's given us. If you look at what Jesus did, and even the church of the disciples, did you know that during the Great Awakening, did they have Sunday night service? No. Brother Fenwick would know. (laughs) No, you were not. They did. And that was part of the thing, that a lot of them came in from so far that that's how the Sunday nights even started. They would come so far that they would have the service. They would have dinner on the ground. And because they were all together anyways, they would go back in and have more services. Eventually that grew where they, people had cars. They could leave and go home. And then they extended the time between there. And that's how Sunday nights even started. Wednesday nights were not even existent during that time. Who knows when Wednesday nights started? Started during the war. They would gather together on midweek service to have a prayer meeting. It wasn't even called a Bible study. They would pray for the troops to come home. 
after the war was over, they were so thankful, they were such in the routine that they started that up. Do you know why Wednesday night is so wonderful? Because we study the Word of God in every area of our buildings. One of the things that we're trying to figure out right now is what can we close off to do more? You know, we've talked about, could we move chairs out of the balcony to have more space up there, to, to, to move a class up there? It, it's not a matter of that. Miss Gray, I am so passionate about teaching the Word of God that if we ever have the mindset of how can we cut it out, then we've lost the principle of what it is. We've lost the, the, the fundamentals of what the church was meant to be. Not cut it out, but methods. Principles versus methods all day long. And, and, I, and I know with some of these things, people have come back and said, you know, when you do some of these things, they're, they're, they're worldly. Have any of you ever said that? You know, that this is worldly, worldly. By the way, worldly means that it goes against the word of God. If, if you're going to talk about worldly, then none of you should have drove here in a car. None of you should be wearing shoes and none of you should go out to eat. But when the Bible talks about worldly lust, it's talking about the things that go against the word of God or things that were sin. Well, I am running out of time. Let me, let me give you just a couple more things and, uh, and I'll be done. Um, here, here's the next thing. I, 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 the hope is not only uh, the fundamentals of the faith must remain, but number two, keeping things sharp, relevant for our next culture. The idea that everything should be done to glorify God is so important. And I, I realize that the things have changed, but I, I, I'm a firm believer of what we should do should reach the culture. And I've mentioned this many times to you guys before of whether or not it should be a chair versus a, a pew and those types of things. I, I, I take you guys to 1 Corinthians 9.19, and I've, I've shared this with you guys before. For though I be free from all men... Yet have I made myself servant unto all, that I might gain the more. And unto the Jews I became a Jew, that I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law as under the law, I might gain them that are under the law. To them that are without the law, uh, to them that are without the law, uh, being not without the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without the law. To the weak became as weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men, that by all means I may save some. And this I do for the gospel's sake, that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Paul is, was explaining his connection to culture. Man, that's hard. Let, let me tell you, even connection to our culture uh, of what we do is not to water things down or to do sin or anything like that. We should never do that. You're never going to hear me as your pastor get up and say that we're going to start a bar ministry. Believe it or not, I've heard of churches doing that kind of stuff. We're going to go evangelize the drunks by, by sitting at the bar and doing that. The Bible says to abstain from all appearance of evil. You know where I learned that from? Fundamentals of the faith. The word of God. The foundation of things like that. So you say, how far would you go if it's a matter of trying to reach everybody? I'll tell you, we never go against this. Never ever do we go against this. Whatsoever. And so people have gotten upset with, you know, different ways of reaching people and things like that. But the Bible also says, but if you be led of the Spirit, you're not under the law. For if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. God's saying, I'm going to guide you to do that. God will guide us in all things to allow us to reach this generation. Because I'll be honest, I don't have it figured out. If anything, man, I stand... Between the generations, and I'm thinking, man, is, is, is this wrong or is this right? Is this compromise or whatever? And I, I, I don't want to be so married to tradition 
that I don't reach the next generation. I don't want to throw out tradition where where I, I am pushing the older people out. And I've realized, God, I don't know what to do. And so God says, it's not about you. Man, every, everything that I read in Scripture, when even God means people to do things that were uncomfortable, it was always the spirit or the movement of God and not man. Because never, 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 never get to the point where we push out the spirit of God leading us to do things. Guys, when we built the building that was behind me, we were, the, the, the economy was not a good time. But I felt in my heart, I met with the men of the church, we prayed about it, God pushed through. We actually got a better deal than we normally would have gotten because of the economy was not doing well. We got a great interest rate. We were able to do all these things. And all of a sudden, I got done and said, thank God I listened to God and not myself. And that's what God does. And I look back at Pastor Denoff of how God led him to this church, how he started this church. And he said, when I came here, I had nothing, but I had the Spirit of God. I've got that on video that I can show you and, and, and share with you in church. And God led him there. May we never get to the point where we feel like that we, we can't go forward or take a step of faith or get out of our comfort zone. As long as God's leading us, it's going to be okay. And that's true with all the different things. The day that we go to two services, and on Wednesday night, we're trying to expand Wednesday night. We're trying to do more with that because God is blessing and God's using it to disciple people and things like that. God always has a way of fulfilling his plan. And I love that. But as we do this with the things that are going on, uh, different things have become challenging. Guys, I, who would have ever thought the day would come as a church that we had to put, did you guys know that we put cameras on all of our buses? All of our buses are having cameras installed so that we can record backwards and front what's going on just because of the culture that we live in. We have, we have security guards standing around in the backs of the church. A number of weeks ago, I, I don't know, how many of you guys know that we arrested four Muslims out of our church six weeks ago? How many of you guys? Okay. How did you not know it was on, t- it was on TV? So, <laughs> you know, in, in the, who would have ever thought, you know, 40 years that you would have had to do those things? So we have to recreate and move an entire department so that we can put up walls and block off bathrooms because we've got weirdos that stalk out churches and try to do all that stuff. And all these different things. And all I realized, Paul said this. He said, you know what? If I'm going to reach Columbus, Ohio, I'm going to learn the things that I have to do to reach those people wasn't sin, but reaching their culture. We've got to continue to do that. I, I guess as a church, we've got to understand that those things have to do. If I get up on Sunday morning and I'm mentioning Facebook a lot, you guys know when I was doing the life series through Proverbs, we did that a lot. Do you know why? Because that's a big part of the culture of today. And Paul would say, hey, if that's their culture, I'm going to step into their culture and I'm going to reach them in their culture. That's what we've got to do. We, we, we've, we've got to understand these things. We've got to be willing to be relevant and, and above board and reach the generation where we're at. But I say that, and I've said this many times before, that requires change. Change of moving classes and changing of how we do things and changing of when we do things and things like that. I, I can't begin to explain to you some of the things from, from life groups or expanding ministries or being able to put in the chairs and things like that. Man, some of those changes where people were like, okay, what's next? Somebody came to me and was like, if, if we take out the, the, the chairs, a lot of other churches, the next move that they make is they throw out the word of God. We're not throwing out the word of God. You know why? It's the fundamental and we're not touching the fundamentals. And if we can learn to stick to the fundamentals and allow methods to change. We're going to be able to reach the next generations to come. 
because these things are changeable. These things are not. So I'm going to, as a pastor, to every generation, to every youth pastor, to every person teaching and leading our college ministry, know these, preach these things, give them to them, whether it's sitting in Starbucks, in a life group, in the worship service, or in the hallway of the church, we preach the truth because God will bless them. And when that's hid in their heart, they will not sin against God. That's the promise of Proverbs. When we're doing what's right and we're teaching what's right, we have a foundation that the church won't be shaken off of. But all of a sudden, we apply methods. This, is, this stinks. All I wrote was pew. It doesn't really help. You know. But when we apply and we have our methods on this time, it, these methods help carry out these things. Whether it's a text message or a screen, a songbook or whatever. Music, man alive. You want to get into a subject that is like, ah, I mean, my goodness. There's no two people in a church anywhere that sits next to each other that agrees with music. Me and Jenny have different preferences. All of my kids have different preferences. If we had our way in the car, we would be turning the radio every five minutes. It's just different. You know what's funny about that? Look up music in the New Testament. Do you know what it says? Singing and praising God, making melody in your heart unto the Lord. And I'm not quoting that directly. That's the whole thing of the New Testament. Now, people have books this big written about music and how it should be and what are, all these different things. He said, then what do we do? We stick to the fundamentals of what the Bible does say. And we allow God to lead us as we go through the, the methods of today. And I know through all of these things that we will have a church alive and well 20, 30, 40 years from now. And just so you guys know, some of these things we learned from looking back. I have played in my office CDs from Pastor Denoff preaching. I have converted tapes and have them, and you guys have even had some of those, of Pastor Denoff preaching. Do you know what Pastor Denoff was passionate about? the virgin birth of Christ and salvation by Jesus Christ and eternal security and the deity of Christ and stuff like that. He preached those things all day long. And you know what was the result of that? Everything that you see around you right now. God blessed and gave him methods because he stuck to the fundamentals of the faith. And I know I said a lot of things to, to say that, but I believe if there's something that this generation is missing out on, it's big time of just knowing what truth is. And how we deliver that, man, God's going to guide us and lead us and help us along the way. Let, let me close by saying this. If any of these things come up in your mind, any of these things, I'll say this over and over again. Always bring it back to the Bible. Always bring it back to the Bible. If, if you bring it back to the Bible and say, well, I feel or I think or whatever, and you sit there and say, well, what does the Bible say? You're talking to another Christian. You're talking to your kids and say, well, I grew up and I feel or whatever. You just come back and say, yes, but what are the fundamentals? Because if we're going to label ourselves as saying we're fundamental, then, let, let, then let's be fundamental. Let, let's make everything based on the word of God, not traditions or opinions or anything else.